El futuro tiene nada más que la confrontación. Hey, welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. I used to write a bunch of weekly columns for a bunch of internet places, and I would use those columns to put forth all sorts of crazy opinions. Then I'd come on this show to defend those opinions. But now, fuck that and fuck those places too. Joining me today, he is my co-host on a podcast called You Don't Even Like Sports. He's also my co-host from time to time on this podcast. Beyond that, I don't really have much information about him. I'll let you know when I do. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff May, also joining me. He's in grad school, guys. I wanted to make sure to tell you that in case he forgets on this episode. He's also the front man of the fantastic rock band Countless Thousands. Ladies and gentlemen, Danger Van Gorder. It's going to be a great show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion. Jeff, quit mocking me. I don't know what you're talking about, Adam. Jeff's mocking me on the Zoom call. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Jeff isn't my co-host this week. He's just hey here. Hey, it's me. It's he's me, Jeff a, May. Being a How you doing? jerk store. Hey, oh, no, Adam, don't. No, I said it. Don't speak like that. <laughs> That's not how we do things here. It's too late. Jerk no. Store May is my co-host oh. this week. You just said he wasn't your co-host, though. More like Hurt Store May. <laughs> oh, that's even better. <laughs> also joining us, Danger Van Gorder. Hi, guys. Oh, thank you for coming out of retirement to do the podcast. Uh, I mean, uh, every moment is a gift when you get to spend it with uh, your behatted friends. And Let I mean, me- I, I'm, rock- I'm rocking my Jeff May hat. Yeah. Very happy about that. So how's everyone doing? Awful. Angry and bored? Yeah, I don't know if I'm bored, but I'm definitely angry, like yeah. a lot yeah. of the rest of the country. As people yeah. should still be, there are still protests going on because, for the most part, nothing has changed yet. I mean, I understand it's change that is going to come slowly, but... Yeah, these are long plays. There's this like impotent rage that you're kind of sitting with here where it's like there's not much to do because the power structure has shifted itself that the people that enrage you are not accountable. Right. Qualified immunity, baby. Qualified immunity. Sounds way cooler than it Ta- is. Yeah. Time time to go, qualified immunity. So it's uh it's a thing we need to keep talking about. And that's what we're gonna do this week. So uh yeah, last week we talked about police violence against protesters in particular and specifically the incidents of violence that have broken out around these protests and by that i mostly and primarily mean police violence that has been the majority of the violence that has happened around these protests a couple of people have been calling it a police riot which honestly stands to reason a little bit stronger oh yeah that's that's very accurate and we'll get into why people are calling it a police riot here soon but not only has there been violence around these protests but police are still killing black people in one case javier ambler they killed on an episode of live pd basically i'm sorry what yeah that's a detail that has been 
kind of left out, but they were, is that who it was? That's how crazy is that, that I have to Google and make sure I'm talking about which black person was murdered on live TV. Yeah. If you watch the footage of his death, which is horrifying. Also, there are a lot of really professional looking camera angles and things of the like. And that's because his murder happened while an episode of the TV show Live PD was being filmed. One of the highest rated shows on television at the time has since been canceled. But I'm actually with as long as that show's been on, I'm surprised it took this long for them to film the murder of a black person on that show. But yeah, that is just one of several incidents of police violence that have happened just since the protest broke out. So still a thing we need to talk about. And this week we're talking about the thin blue line and the thin blue line flag and the problematic history behind that shit. But before we do, Danger, you added some notes. What do you want to talk about? Yes, I mean, it's important before we talk about police to talk about crime and statistics. Um, I my fa- one of my favorite classes uh, uh, in grad because I'm in, I'm in grad school. You guys, it's awesome. I'm you know oh, learning. Like a teenager, it's, oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> like a, like a big boy got a booster seat in the kitchen. It's awesome. And I I got I got some notes from my many readings. You know, checking uh, we're gonna name check Lara Milan and Waquant. Bunch of people, good stuff. Just going to kind of go down the bullet points here. So, first thing to consider, police officers, they are the bottom of a bureaucracy. They are the public-facing and use significant discretion in the delivery of their service. Uh, Situational, not categorical, compliance with general rules and procedures. Patrolmen do not react to each incident as though it were unique. They draw distinctions. They generalize. In short, they fashion a coherent set of beliefs that guide their actions. Ironically, then, police discretion, often justified as a way to take account uh, the unique and mitigating elements of an incident requires the use and beliefs of decision-making rules to structure action. I have a question. What's Are that? these direct quotes? Uh, that last one was, yeah, I even got the quotes wrong. Okay. Who said that? Would, that? Uh, I believe that would be uh, uh, Lurik Lequan. No, 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 don't believe. Don't believe. Yeah. You got all right, all right. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. <sighs> Hang on. Look I'm at gonna, me. I'm going to... No, no, I actually don't want you to look this up. I just want you to finish your readings. Okay. That's, I mean... I was doing a bit, uh, man. Uh, okay, that was uh, Ricardo Lara Milan, uh, public emergency room crowding in the era of mass imprisonment, uh, uh, 2014. Very Stop. good. Okay. Continue. Uh, prison is becoming a primary social service provider to the poor. Uh, some incredibly depressing percentage, I don't have it, I wish I did, uh, of black men will interact for the government with the government primarily through the criminal justice system. Now, there are some weird benefits to that, uh, i.e., the only American that is guaranteed health care and housing is a prisoner. Uh, the U.S. held 21 prisoners in 1975 for every 10,000 big index crimes like murder, rape, assault, all that kind of thing. And in uh, 2005, we held 125 prisoners. Uh, for That's every ten thousand index crime. That's right. It's we have we as a country have become six times more punitive over the years. You know now, what? Take, huh. Jeff's right. That is more. I would like to add that it's probably I would even say significantly more. It seems like it's maybe even like six times more. I don't have the stats for uh, two thousand twenty. Fifteen years have passed since uh, that statistic. Adam in danger. Just so you know, that was in two thousand and five. Yes. Now that was 15 years ago. That was uh, we don't uh, have the statistics yet right now. Although you probably we probably do. You just bought an old book or something. No, it was just the reading that I had that week. Um, uh, now crime is down across the board. 
all of the rates are down. Um, but people are socially insecure rather than criminally insecure. Uh, and it's an e- easy argument to say, okay, well, do you want to feel safe? Well, let's put more money into policing. Uh, we got uh, 90% of police calls are reactive rather than preventative. Immigration enforcement uh, has left the border. All urban environments now carry a border town mentality. We are asking cops to do basically 10 different jobs that they're not trained for. They're, they're border control agents. They're uh, social services. They are the primary uh, means of service delivery to the extremely poor. And occasionally they play basketball with children. I saw yeah. the videos. Yeah, and it's, a, it's, and it's nice to see. Do the electric slide sometimes. Sometimes they pull people over just to give them ice cream because that's a convenient time to get an ice cream cone thrust into your fucking hand when you're trying to drive. Then they arrest them for distracted driving. Danger, you have a relationship with the police. My relationship to the police is my father is a retired police officer. He did 20, plus, I don't know, some odd years in Laguna Beach. Uh, he has fallen off a cliff. He has been set on fire. He has been shot at. Uh, he has himself uh, reacted to that fire uh, with, with uh, his own service weapon. Um, he, he's been in some shit. I don't know. Uh, I've got three uncles who are also cops. Uh, one of my cousins is a cop. The name Van Gorder in Orange County in Riverside County is well known as a police name. So Danger's a cop. Yeah, so all of my family are cops. Fuck you, narc. Yeah. What are your thoughts on defunding the police? I dude, what is it? 54% of uh Los Angeles' budget right now is going just towards police. And again, we are putting all of this money towards people whose primary job is force. And I don't think that's appropriate. There are a jillion different ways that we can reduce crime uh, and increase services to people, uh, social services, housing, like th- these things that people need. Uh, what was it? Homelessness. Homelessness in, in Salt Lake City is basically over because they just give homeless people apartments until such time as those homeless people are able to get uh, work and carry on with their lives like that's something that they can do because they made it a priority in their budget but right now like every almost every metropolitan city in america spends a majority if not a plurality then a majority of their budget just on police and when you say shit like defund the police like there's there's shades of that obviously like this is this is all new to me i want to get into it i want to learn about it i'm uh, i don't know how far i would go into the abolitionist framework in terms of like getting rid of police entirely uh, I'm interested in the Camden, New Jersey experiment where they dissolved the police force and built it from back from scratch. I want to know what their statistics look like. Um, I want your family fired. That's what I want. I want your family specifically fired. Start writing letters to the many police, the, the PD. I don't know, the, most of them are retired, though. My uncles, my dad oh, are I retired. Oh, I want their pensions then. Yeah, I think we should take their pensions and we should redistribute They do them. have the last great American pension. Like, there are no more dignified pensions in America except for those who were in the police uh, in the why. 80s and 90s. Yeah. Yeah, the cop who killed George Floyd is still eligible for a $1 million pension. Yeah, and maybe he shouldn't. And maybe we need to start having malpractice insurance. For cops, because we do for doctors, and it doesn't come in, it doesn't come into play all the time. But there's no personal accountability when police misuse their force or misread a situation. And I'm not going to go up on here and say like you know strip strip every police department of all its funding. I'm not sure if that's appropriate. Uh, but I mean like these are conversations that need to happen. 
I'd be okay if they lost their tanks. Yeah, dude. I, I live in Glendale. I might have mentioned that before. Um, and during Sick Lavia, like a big bicycle event uh, that they had here before, you know, the world went away. Uh, it's a big bike event. Thousands of people ride their bikes up and down city streets. It's awesome. And when I got home, there was a goddamn tank on my block. Like, next to my apartment was a tank. Why do we need tanks why do the police need need APCs, like the, 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 the military weapon? It's the easiest thing in the world right now for a lot of our lawmakers to say, we should demilitarize our police. Yeah, we shouldn't have militarized them in the first place because we are not at war with American citizens. And it's a really convenient narrative for a lot of people to dig into and say, like, well, you know, the criminals, the criminals are right. Crime's down. Crime's down, man. Poverty is not, but crime is down. You have created an excellent segue for the Thin Blue Line and what we're about to talk about by saying we are not at war with the community. We're not. Because the Thin Blue Line absolutely states that they are at war with the community. Yeah, the the meaning of the Thin Blue Line flag for people who aren't familiar, like the, the symbolism in it, the black above the blue line represents American citizens. And then the blue line represents the police who are protecting those American citizens from the black at the bottom, which is criminals. Mm-hmm. It's funny that they view 50% of the populace as, as the bottom. Right. As the criminals. And worth noting that 50% also American citizens uh-huh. who are... The people they have sworn to protect and serve. Correct. We, before we get too deep into all of that, I would also just like to mention that uh, as someone raised uh, in a military slash police family, I was told to honor the flag above all things. You Fuck don't the flag. Yeah, well, I mean, the point is you, you take the flag in when it's nighttime. You treat it with respect. If it goes on the ground, then you have to respectfully dispose of it. And uh, uh, using an American flag in such a way is extremely disrespectful. It's against the flag code to strip a a flag of all of its color except inserting a blue line. And like the people who are who are thumping their chest or who would have been thumping their chest about like flag burning back in the day. They don't mind desecrating the flag in this in this means. And that's that's gross. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't agree that it's desecrating the flag because I don't believe anything desecrates the flag because the flag is a fucking rectangle of cloth. It's a symbol. It's a symbol, Jeffrey. Yeah, it symbolizes failure. Fuck the flag. Like 100% fuck the flag. And there is a, a history of black and white flags that don't mean blue lives matter. Like, it's it's a protest flag that in a lot of cases you can kind of, like just a black and white American flag can kind of mean whatever you want it to mean. It's just a symbol that the nation is under distress of some sort. But when you add that blue line to it, what you're saying is police are under distress. And that's exactly the idea that that flag was born out of, which we'll we'll get to more in a minute. What's really funny about that aspect of it, too, is that their distress is that they've been held accountable for their actions. That's the distress. The distress is that they are now being held accountable for the things that they do instead of acting without impunity and allowing summary executions. And they can't fucking handle being challenged. That's why they become cops. And it really plays into why these particular protests unfolded the way they did. And even the protests in Ferguson and Baltimore that all happened around 2014, 2015, because police didn't used to handle protests 
this way. Granted, the protests we're referring to weren't usually police brutality protests, which is definitely a different dynamic. But researchers have been looking into protests for a long time because they're an integral part of this nation's history. It's how we fix things. It is. It's how we've historically fixed things. And for at least 50 years now, the people who've been researching protests, going back to like in 67 through 70, there were uh, federal commissions that were formed to look into this. And all of these studies, all of this research shows that when police increase their violence toward protesters or just aggression in any way, even just showing up in riot gear. That makes protesters more violent in turn. It does not stop protests from becoming violent. It does the exact opposite. In the 80s and 90s, police departments used a thing called negotiated management, where they would get with the organizers of protests and plan out everything. They'd plan out where they were going to go, what their activities were going to be. They would even sometimes plan the mass arrests that would happen at the end of the night. We're going to get you later, okay? <laughs> we're going to pick you up. Hey, we're going to come get you. We know we, we know we, we're going to come get you. That was kind of the standard model for protests until 1999 and the World Trade Organization protests in Seattle, where police had made similar arrangements and basically the protesters didn't abide by those arrangements. So the police responded with rubber bullets and tear gas which is bad. And even worse, police in general, not just in Seattle, came away from those protests with this idea that, okay, well, protesters can't be trusted. And what we need to do going forward is just immediately respond with violence. And that's kind of the point in history where police responses to protests in general went down a different path and then 9-11 happens and all the police departments start getting tanks mm. to fight the ever-present threat of terrorism in this country did, did you see there's an article that the LAUSD police officers so the school cops uh said that they were willing to get rid of their grenade launchers they have three but not their armored tanks the school district so if you're wondering about <laughs> The establishment of a militarized police force, which should never happen. Police should not be militarized in any way. That's literally what RoboCop was about, was corporations and, and, and fucking uh, hyper-violence from the police. And that was in 1987. What I find really confusing or interesting or whatever is that the uh, on, on my birthday, which was, you know, a couple of weeks, like maybe last week, guys, thanks for... Thanks for noticing. Was it your birthday? Yeah, it was my birthday. It was my nah, birthday. Yeah, care. June 4th. Big, big day. Well, oh, uh, happy birthday. Yeah, thanks, I'm not man. on Facebook anymore, so yeah, I, it's fine. I've lost all concept of when people's Fa birthdays Yeah, Facebook are. is yeah. gross and everyone should burn it. It's fine. Yeah, I have but you we, muted on all social media, so. Oh, that's yeah. probably for the best. Yikes. Because everything I say is just how much I want your body. Um, but the, wow. Uh, um, Which is weird because I have, a, I have a notifications set for that state, statement. Oh, so. you should probably hit up. <laughs> You should probably hit up Twitter then. There's something wrong. Either way, I want you. It's fine. Um, we we rode out to um, we rode the bikes out to Santa Monica, and the Santa Monica was a bizarre ghost town. And the National Guard was there. They got all these weapons in the street, and uh, people are and, and the National Guardsmen are just sort of hanging out. And it seems that uh, uh, if you're in the National Guard and you're trained with military weapons, you probably don't use them 
uh, and I, I, like that, that's a, it's an uninformed perspective. But it seems like you give all this military gear to the cops, and they're like, "Well, uh, I'm afraid, and uh, we need to immediately deploy this." Well, yeah, because police don't have rules of engagement. Well, and that military but also does. like such a huge no, part of important. their of their training regimen is they are trained to expect death at every turn. Yeah, and I know we're going to get into that, but one of the major things that well, so are so is the military. But the big difference and and the huge thing that people sort of ignore about the police is that police do not have rules of engagement. The military has to take very specific steps before they can fire. It's fucking rules. That's a big fucking deal. And the police do not have that. You can't exactly take a tank back to Target and get store credit, though. These tanks are made, you know, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to disassemble them, turn them into, into playgrounds? Take that shit to Pawn Stars. What's funny is you can really, you know, when Adam talked about like 9-11 and how that was a big deal. Yeah, because then you end up with military surplus. And when you end up with military surplus, you can't just sell it to private citizens. So who are you going to sell it to? The fucking cops. Of course. Of course. The other people that are legally allowed to carry guns. Let's fucking go for it. Imagine, like, who are they going to, are they going to sell fucking fringe groups uh, an APC? Or fucking, you're going to sell grenade launchers to to fucking don't tread on me dipshits? There's there's a long list of people I don't want to have tanks. To be fair, though, tanks tanks are cool as fuck. Tanks are cool. <laughs> let's not Let's not roll past that. Roll. Tanks are awesome. Roll. Mm, nice. I get it. As I said, there's a lot of people who shouldn't have guns because they're buying them out of fear. You know, and there's a whole lot of people who are like, well, I've got mm, $225,000. I might as well pick up a tank because I don't want my government coming after me. Who has $225,000? There are a lot of very wealthy people in this world uh, who want to defend what they have. With so tanks. They get, uh, yeah, they get weapons. So after all of that, the next development in the history of the thin blue line flag that particular symbol was born out of the 2014 protests surrounding the police murders of eric garner michael brown tamir rice and probably countless other names that didn't get as much attention a high school student named andrew jacob who is uh clearly a police sympathizer a bootlicking teen he watched those protests and decided that at the end of the day, it's really the police who are the victims here. And that inspired him to create the thin blue line flag. He'd seen the image before on memes and whatnot, but never on an actual flag. So we just stole it and then was like, now I made it. That is very American. Fuck this kid. This kid sucks. Fuck you, Andrew Jacob. Fuck this kid. And he's probably an adult now, right? I think he stayed a child, actually. This was 2014, so he'd be like 25, 26 now. Man, this kid's a little bootlicking turd. So he launches Thin Blue Line USA, which is one of the largest online retailers devoted exclusively to sales of pro-police flags, t-shirts, neckwear, <laughs> and jewelry. Oh, tell me about, let's talk about that jewelry for a second, because I want to spend the rest of the podcast discussing <laughs> Thin Blue Line jewelry. Like what, like what are you going to get? Like, like an engagement, engagement ring? Rules of I, engagement rings? Yeah. Uh, uh. It, it's a Thin Blue Line and it says, I promise to beat you 40%. <laughs> what's, what's that statistic there, Jeffrey? Uh, 40% uh, of police admit to mm. spousal abuse. Admit. Admit. Those are the ones that are surveyed and they're like, 
Hell yeah, I beat my wife. Him creating this flag coincided with the rise of the Blue Lives Matter movement, which started after cops were shot in Baton Rouge, Brooklyn, and Dallas. And this movement started despite the fact that police were actually in less physical danger than ever before. Ambush killings of police have actually declined by 90% since 1970. And I should mention everything we're talking about in this section comes from a Politico.com article called The Short Fraught History of the Thin Blue Line Flag, written by Maurice Chama and Carrie Aspinwall. We'll link to it on Unpops.com. We don't want to gloss over that policing itself is still a dangerous profession, but uh, you know what else is a really dangerous profession is uh, deep sea fishing. There's there's a yeah. lot of shit out there. There are a lot of jobs uh, that what do you, oh boy Jeff is holding up a, a beautiful pendant with it a, is a a thin blue line pendant that has uh, I don't I can't imagine what these stones I'm guessing are they because- are. Um- uh, reflective rhinestones and vivid enamel sturdy metal chain and clasp that's unique and beautiful uh sorry i was just looking up um some solid thin blue line uh merch while oh we hang were going on through this. we gotta backtrack a little bit too because this kid started a business in high school so you know he had to get a lot of money from mommy and daddy which means this kid's a fucking rich kid from the suburbs you know never never had a moment of fear in his entire life and it's like well uh now i just want now i want to achieve so mom can i please have fifty thousand dollars so i can start this clothing line and is now super successful yeah danger you have a note next to the thing about ambush killings of police uh yeah again like we're socially insecure we're not criminally insecure the police are safer than they were it's still a dangerous job they still get hurt again my dad fell off of a cliff he was set on fire he was shot at this is this is all very real yeah no one's denying that it's a dangerous job but you know that going in first off is your dad wiley coyote uh no he just wor- he worked in a place that was um uh let's say environmentally uh, uh vulnerable it was not a well-built town in a well-built area, so it was constantly falling over, falling down a hill, or catching on fire. So someone set him on fire? You know what uh, you should get him? A pair of thin blue lines, stainless steel earrings. He doesn't wear earrings. They're hoop earrings, uh, stainless steel with a thin blue line. Uh, My- you can get them up. They're currently, I'm sorry to say, sold out. Yeah. Now, pa- Pop's got enough uh, um, pro-police shit in his house. But, I mean, like, the... It, Getting more to, like, the, the theoretical core of, like, why we need to sort of identify an enemy. Like, there are generations of Americans that were raised with a foreign enemy. The USSR, you know, like, the the, 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 the Cold War, you know. But those people, we don't have foreign enemies anymore. So uh, now we got to dial in, all right, well, we have domestic enemies. They don't have any place to put that fear for the for, for Russia uh, or for the Soviets, yeah, so they got to they got to they got to be what was that? Arabs. <laughs> like, yeah, I think Muslims got most of that for a while, and immigrants now also. Muslims yeah, absorb that immigrants. kind of a lot. Like, I don't know if you remember nine eleven, but afterwards it wasn't a good time to be brown, as if it was good before nine eleven to be brown. Oh, it was great before that. Okay, fair point. Yeah, fair I, point. I would say that you know, while I don't disagree, I, I disagree with your thesis statement, although I don't disagree with your. Um, your final uh, resolution of it. Very good. That makes sense. Thank you for there, clarifying. There is, no, it's a, it's yeah. There, it's there are certainly do. groups that are considered outsiders, and unfortunately, those groups are homegrown. They are yeah. here. 
and you know the muslim community has been uh emotionally and physically decimated by post 9-11 america and especially jingoism and the police no uh what it really comes down to i didn't mean to hijack what you were saying what i just wanted to say like the police have certainly not made it easy for muslim communities immigrant communities especially like of course um a huge portion of my bureaucracy class was talking about law enforcement as uh immigration officers and uh how that is super not appropriate because that is a federal and civil issue but right now we are criminalizing a human being's presence like there's a big thing uh in in when you talk about criminality where uh, uh access to a space is determined by money and leisure neoliberalism dictates that money and leisure are the primary determinants to the rights of a space of rights to a space excuse me um, and now, like, it used to be where immigration was entirely enforced at the border. Um, but since that's not really um, – first of all, since uh, border crossing is down in a really, really big chunk, the, the carceral state has brought the border town mentality to every major metropolitan area in the country where if you are brown, then we have to uh, – are you here legally or are you an illegal like someone's physical presence in a space is now been illegalized and that is fucked up it's fucked up that's not right now watch me be a good podcast host by bringing this back to the thin blue line boom the modern origins of that phrase because that phrase goes way back to the 1850s but it was popularized in the u.s by former lapd chief william h parker who was an unflinching racist and also the man who the LAPD headquarters are named after now. And he, at one point, described immigrants as, quote, not far removed from the wild tribes of Mexico and compared black residents participating in the 1965 Watts riots to, quote, monkeys in a zoo. Hmm. Not a lot of empathy coming out of this guy. Yeah, so it, it has its origins in this country. They trace back to a racist LAPD chief who still has a building named after him. And it was also used in a 1988 documentary by Errol Morris. Anyone ever seen that? No. I did not. It's really good. He actually was using that phrase in more of a mocking way because that is a documentary about the police, if you can believe it, sending an innocent man to prison. I'm going to put this out there. Um, The only way you should use that line is in a mocking or ironic tone. Yep. And this is uh, regarding both the phrase, the thin blue line and the flag, both Michael White, a professor of criminology at Arizona State University said this, it fosters this us versus them mentality. The police and community should work together in order to produce safety. Mm -hmm. Each should respect the role of the other. If you're looking at the community as a potential enemy or a threat, that's certainly going to hinder any positive relationship. And this is obviously this is where um, when James like James Cameron Terminator 2, you saw Terminator 2, right? It's one of the greatest movies of all time. Of course. Um, The reason that the T-1000 Robert Patrick's character is a cop is because James Cameron specifically said that cops view non-cops as being lesser beings and that's exactly you know he made him an lapd officer for a reason uh and that specifically because you know 
cops view themselves as like these like morally clean arbiters of justice uh when in reality they are just fucking c minus students that fell into a civil service position and are being expected to carry out job roles that they are not necessarily trained for nor should they be he he said uh, cops think of all non-cops as less than they are stupid weak and evil they do dehumanize the people they are sworn to protect and desensitize themselves in order to do that job uh and that really is i think an important thing to remember that that the desensitization of the problems that making yourself numb to it um and to dehumanize criminals uh is what leads to an escalation in violence yeah that reminds me like i um growing up uh, i got to be involved in a lot of police training shit uh to be an actor or like they'd have that that live fire basically the giant video game where they give you the the light gun and they expect you to de-escalate a situation or defend yourself or do whatever you're gonna do um and one of the one of those um like training exercises is to this day like i i remember thinking thank god you are going to be a cop i don't know about the rest of these people but like um i had to pretend to be uh someone who uh had was you know suicidal and i had a knife and uh um you know you, you sort of they, he approaches and so you know what's going on you know i and then i bust out the knife i'm like get back man get get the fuck back i'm putting it and i put the knife to my throat and the and the officer the trainee ra- rather drew his weapon points it at, at the ground and says i'm backing up like you ask I have to draw my service revol- uh, I have to draw my weapon to protect myself. I am not intending to use this on you. And I was like, "Wow, that is terrific police that that's what policing should be." He's like he's agreeing with uh, he's de-escalating the situation. Did you charge him with a knife cuz that's what you do in that situation? No, I was like I went up to him after the fact I'm like, "Man, you uh, I am so glad that and you were you in this program." No, I didn't. I'm too him. I'm so glad that in an area where you are going to be graded, that this is how you act according to how the textbook tells you to. Oh, no, the, the, the textbook didn't say you... that because the rest of the recruits were like, put it down, put it down, put it down, put it down, like with, with, the, with the guns out, like completely kicking ass. Here we go again. This makes another amazing segue into what we're talking about next because Jeff mentioned, yeah, that cop behaved that way because he was under scrutiny. And he was being watched. You don't know how he would react in the field in that situation. Fair. And around this time, the same time that the thin blue line flag became a thing and Blue Lives Matter became a thing, way before liberals viewed him as some kind of hero because Trump doesn't like him, former FBI director James Comey was the biggest proponent of something called the Ferguson effect. And the basic theory is this. Additional scrutiny of law enforcement led to an increase in violent crime. So the problem isn't police violence. It's the policing of police violence. He was basically arguing that filming police killing people has a detrimental effect on public safety because it makes cops less willing to do their job, which is an insane fucking thing That's to say. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it was not backed up by any facts no, or evidence. The, the mental gymnastics to go to... And, but by the way, this is something that has become very popular among small town whites, uh, which is that they will engage in so many mental gymnastics. They will watch somebody get murdered and be like, I don't know, though, if you look at this, they had an assault charge back in 2002. 
Oh yeah, Armad Arbari was in a uh, was in a construction site, and then the many the many conservatives of Twitter were like, "Well, he was in a construction site, so clearly he was uh, he was up to no good." That's yeah, not so clearly. You have to run him down with a truck and shoot him. Yeah, extra legal vigilante murder is is somehow. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, mental gymnastics. It also sounds like I, I, I heard an argument recently like, well, do you think that those cops are, are bashing in those – like we were talking about uh, the, the the two gentlemen who pushed that 75-year-old guy over and cracked his skull and then walked past him as he bled out of his ears. And the response from the, from the conversation was like, well, you know, don't you think that uh, maybe they're reacting this way because they're tired and we actually need more police so that they have – there's more <laughs> – there's there's will, more police to go around, and they're not we're not asking so much of of, of the of these police officers. A, a, a lot of that is going to be addressed next week too, um, because there is a very specific reason that nobody helped that man up, uh, and that is uh, essentially an extension of the blue wall of silence, um, where uh, uh, essentially you don't rat and you don't do anything to make another cop look bad, um, and it is the, in my opinion, the biggest problem with the police. More so uh, than qualified I, immunity? Yeah, it's not a competition. The police are just a problem. I mean, yeah, but the reason that none of the, quote, good apples are stopping any of those bad apples is because of their fraternity. They won't. Yeah. And every time they do, it becomes a shit show. Every good apple gets pushed out of policing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have had so many people tell me, you know, if you want to reform the system, you, you might want to consider becoming a cop yourself. And like, I don't think I'd survive no, for a I don't few need my different family, reasons. I, think- I don't need my family threatened because I mentioned that you took a bribe. But that's for next week. So when James Comey brought this up, I'll link to this article. It's from 2015 on The Atlantic, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Ooh, excellent. Excellent author. Comic book writer. As yeah, well. he, he's one of our best social commentators. He mentions that basically the Ferguson effect is just a continuation of fucking racist policing ideas like crack babies, super predators, wilding, things of that nature. Welfare queens. Right. The craziest example of that from history, dryptomania. That was the scientific term that explained why slaves sometimes tried to escape. They weren't unhappy with their living situation. They were just suffering from a mental illness that involuntarily forced them to flee their masters, and they just needed to be fixed. Speaking of mental gymnastics. Back in the time when science, had, <laughs> the, the purpose of science was to reinforce social norms. And the basic gist behind all of those ideas, including the Ferguson effect, is that black people are out of control and police need to do something about it. Except since the Ferguson effect came out during the era of social media, it turned into memes and Facebook posts from racists and from cops and from racist cops about how Obama was handcuffing police when he should be handcuffing real criminals. Yeah, which is funny because the police are the real criminals. Correct. So then a new wrinkle gets added to this idea that police are aggrieved and need some cool imagery to put on their trucks to prove it. That came in the form of the Clint Eastwood film American Sniper. Has anyone seen this bullshit? No. No, but uh, that one a big Bradley pass. Cooper stole my, my v- visual vibe pretty hard in that one. <laughs> He sure did. Low rent Jeff May, that Bradley Cooper. Get your shit together, Brad. So this movie 
told the story of Chris Kyle, who was a Navy SEAL who once boasted about conducting dozens of extrajudicial killings on the streets of New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, he used to brag about it. He did a radio thing, and uh, according to this actor who moderated this event that they did, they went to a bar afterwards, and all these Navy SEALs started telling stories, and Chris Kyle's story was that he and another sniper were deployed to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina and literally posted up on top of the Superdome and were shooting people in the streets. Like, that's a story he not only told, but also bragged about. Gross. Just want to put that in there real quick. Very gross. So obviously that guy becomes a hero among conservatives. Thank God he's dead. No, like he's better. He's much better off. Uh, he's much better off not being here. Well, I mean, the world is much better off without him. We certainly don't need him in the streets right now. We should also mention that he was murdered by a, another veteran with PTSD uh, at a uh, shooting range. That guy saved 30 lives. So obviously he becomes a big hero among conservatives. But what does he have to do with the police? The Punisher logo oh, is what he has to do oh, with the police. Oh, because okay. his you're platoons, in my world right now. <laughs> his platoon's calling card on the battlefield in Iraq was the Punisher logo. And here's how he explained it in his memoir. We spray painted it on our Hummers and body armor and our helmets and all our guns. We spray painted it on every building or wall we could. We wanted people to know we're here and we want to fuck with you. It was our version of PSYOPs. You see us? We're the people kicking your ass. Fear us, because we will kill you, motherfucker. You are bad. We are badder. We are badass. So it's kind of a huge problem that police in this country have also adapted the Punisher logo for their own ass-kicking means. Time for me to... uh bring my expertise uh, up to uh, up to the point here. Uh, the Punisher is a serial killer. The Punisher is a serial killer. He is established. He's not a hero. He He's not. In the comics world, this is one of those things where, like, I say be wary of Punisher fans. Because in reality, they are the people who believe that hyperviolence is the way to solve things. Like, the Punisher is an example of how the policing system is flawed. And he murders. He was created as a villain in Amazing Spider-Man number 129. And every time he shows up, like people are like, fucking Frank Castle, what are you... God damn it, Frank. Stop it. Stop what you're doing. Yeah, like Captain America fucking hates him. Daredevil, like everybody who believes in justice fucking hates the Punisher. Yeah, because punishment isn't justice. I, yeah. I, I feel like that's the core of this entire argument right now is punishment isn't justice. And right now... That is what our culture seems to... That's the conversation that we're having. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because, like, so many times the, the, the creatives that have created the Punisher are like, no, you really don't understand this fucking character. You just don't fucking get it. Because cops are dumb. Here's a quote from Punisher co-creator Jerry Conway uh, in regards to police using the Punisher logo. He is a criminal. <laughs> if an officer of the law representing the justice system puts a criminal symbol on his police car or shares challenge coins honoring a criminal, he or she is making a very ill-advised statement about their understanding of the law. Side question, should Unpops get challenge coins? I mean, the Punisher logo on him. May I, do, do I get to participate <laughs> in that or is it going to be a kind of thing where like, eh, we're not going to let The Unpunisher logo. No, we'll give it to your kid though. 
She'll yeah. eat it. Yeah, challenge coins. That's not a bad idea. I might send those out. That is a it's a perfect example, I think, of uh the mentality that cops think of themselves at they're like fucking Judge Dredd. Like which is I another well that Judge Dredd is another hard parody of the justice system, which is thinking which is thinking that because you are are sworn to uphold the law that you are the person who creates and and, and that you are in of itself the law. Yeah, which that's is the bureaucratic discretion that we're talking about earlier. And you're not. You're a fucking you inherited being a cop because you weren't smart enough to be a fireman. Right. Side note, I love seeing the firefighters clashing with the police in uh, the protests in france that's always that always really warms my heart it's like oh all right that's cool all right and i do want to real quick uh mention that the stuff about chris kyle and how it relates to the police comes from a really great article on the intercept.com called police attacks on protesters are rooted in a violent ideology of reactionary grievance Mm -hmm. by ryan Devereaux, and we will link to all of these articles on unpops.com seriously read this article and one of the other ways that chris kyle plays into all of this is there's a scene apparently in that movie where he delivers a speech to his kids, of course, about how there are three... Danger, get your kid back in here. She's in, she's, uh, she's napping. Okay, uh, pump the sound into her bedroom. Uh, it's about how there are three types of people in the world. Sheep, wolves, and sheep dogs. The wolves prey on the sheep, and it's up to the sheep dogs to protect them. And that actually comes directly from the teachings of a guy named Lieutenant Dave Grossman. Oh, who, gross, a gross man. man. He is a gross man. He's a former West Point psychology professor and self-proclaimed expert on killing. Same. This man wrote a book <laughs> called On Killing. Ugh. He is the Stephen King of murder, which is crazy because Stephen King is the Stephen King of murder. And the thing, uh, not only did he write this book, but he also teaches courses for police departments and federal law enforcement agencies all across the country. On Killing was at one point required reading for FBI cadets. And in his courses, he sometimes tells attendees that police officers have told him that their first killing led to the best sex of their lives. And also that with enough training, taking a human life is, quote, just not that big of a deal. Hmm. Minnesota police officer Geronimo Yanez took one of Grossman's courses in 2014. Two years later, he shot and killed Philando Castile. Philando Castile, uh, the the driver of a car who said, I happen to have a, a licensed firearm in my car, I've you know I, I want you to know that, and was met uh, with that information by being shot five times. Yep, hmm. in front of his girlfriend and child. When Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry banned the courses, Lieutenant Bob Kroll, president of the Police Officers Federation of Minneapolis, responded angrily and called Grossman's courses excellent in an interview earlier this year just before the murder of george floyd kroll said he'd been involved in three shootings and that not a single one of them bothered him at all fun fact he also appeared on stage at a trump rally in minneapolis in 2019 he also said that the cops would take them on their own and you can't stop them that was a big thing he said in one of those interviews is he was just like if you say that we can't go as part of our training we'll just go on our own Fuck you. And these are described as warrior policing courses. Yeah, warrior training is 
uh, is a huge problem. Well, I mean, you also kind of glossed over another thing, which is this the idea of police unions. Like, the whole... The labor movement in America is at an all-time low, except for police unions. And they're not out there to express solidarity with their with their fellow laborers. They're there to protect their membership from uh, from accountability. And they have so much political power. They have so much political power. In in our defense, we did not gloss over that. We talked about it last week. Okay, well, I guess I... I <laughs> Fuck you, danger. Oh, you oh, fucking gosh. idiot. I'm never going to get these challenge coins. Maybe the challenge is to get something right for once, you fucking dipshit. Oh, yeah. Golly. Oh, welcome to the roast show. Oh, hey. Oh. And... That's the other factor that plays into why police are responding the way they are to these protests is Trump. Shortly after taking office, Trump signed three mostly symbolic executive orders related to domestic law enforcement. Like the federal government doesn't have a lot of jurisdiction over how states and cities handle their police. Well, he did let uh, rogue Sheriff Joe Arpaio uh, off the hook for all of the crime that Joe Arpaio was doing. Right. And these executive orders and that pardoning of Joe Arpaio were meant to just send a message, which is that these PC libs have held the police back for too long, but not anymore. Oh, yeah. Remember when he, remember when he was talking to the cops saying, like, don't, don't, don't watch that. Let them smack their heads on the cop car. And I'll, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll pay for your bail or whatever. I'll pay for your legal fees. Well, it's not. It was. I mean, the cities pay. The, the cities pay uh, 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 settlements to the families of those uh, who have been affected by police wrongdoing. It's It doesn't come out of the cop's pocketbook. It comes out of our pocketbooks. And it's billions of dollars every year. Right. And. With Trump doing that, basically what he was saying to law enforcement in this nation was everything Obama did to limit you from doing your job properly, which air quotes around properly, we're undoing all that. Like it's it's back to open season on black people, basically, among all the other various cop crimes that are happening out there. And with that, the Punisher logo uh, started morphing into a thin blue line thing that would also sometimes have Donald Trump's hair on it because Donald Trump is pro-police. This is what Bob Kroll said on stage at that Trump rally where he was wearing a shirt with the words cops for Trump. The Obama administration and the handcuffing and oppression Uh. of police was despicable. The first thing President Trump did when he took office was turn that around got rid of the Holder Loretta Lynch regime and decided to start letting the cops do their job, put the handcuffs on the criminals instead of us. And so now here we are. It's so handy to just say uh, the criminals uh, when oftentimes uh, poverty is criminalized, like life-sustaining behavior when it happens in a place that polite society doesn't want it to do, uh, like eating or lying down or sleeping or urinating or whatever it is, that's criminal. You know, it, it's so easy to just de- de- to just define when, when you are a comfortable suburban white homeowner, you don't have a whole lot to worry about when it comes to breaking the law. But there's a lot of people who don't have the resources that you do and uh, whose behaviors, whose movements around a city like traffic stops uh, uh, can break up immigrant families. Uh, because they may not be here legally, and therefore they are criminals, and therefore we need to break up this family that might have been in here for 20-plus years because of the law. 
it's a good way to remind people and take a look at who the people are on social media that are defending the police. And they are almost always people in the suburbs or in rural areas where their interactions with the police are not the standard interactions for police uh, of people in urban areas. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, the police are not preventative in these areas. They're, they don't, they don't stop home invasions. They just don't like maybe security companies do, but the police are rarely ever doing that. Police are reactionary. 90% of, of, of police activity is reactionary rather than yeah. preventative. And, and so the, it's people that are like, I don't see any problem with the cops. They're nice. And it's like, well, you're a fucking a white lady yeah. in, in fucking Charlton, Massachusetts. You don't know shit about shit. You're not afraid when you get pulled over, you know? Like, I'm not afraid when I get pulled over either but, either, but I'm not stupid enough to pretend that it's okay just because I'm not the one specifically affected. And that's the biggest problem that's happening right now is that people assume that because something doesn't affect them that it's not an actual issue. And that's, I think, the, the, the major thing that needs to get br- broken through. I think that's um, sort of the white fragility that people need to understand like it's okay to admit that you didn't know a thing and now you do like i've changed drastically in the past 10 years on how i view this shit Hmm. yeah and the like we said next week we're gonna talk about the idea that well not all cops are bad and there are some good apples and what's the rest of that phrase folks a few bad apples spoil the barrel yeah the whole barrel's fucking spoiled yeah here's the thing there are good cops out there but they also are victims of police violence and police aggression a lot of times there is a documentary i would suggest people watch before we uh do next week's episode called crime and punishment it's on netflix it's on hulu or yeah hulu it is about the nypd 12 which was uh, a bunch of whistleblower cops mostly people of color who were pressured into arresting people in their community to meet a quota at a time when the nypd claimed quotas didn't exist and quotas are illegal they tried to speak out about that and the way they are treated by their fellow cops is not great yeah they broke the code right and that's the thing like even if you if you're one of these people who's like, "Ooh, my uncle was a cop and he wasn't racist." Depending where on where he worked, he probably saw his fair share of racist cops and didn't say shit about that's it. That's the thing. Which means he's also bad. Yeah, that's the thing. Unless you're a cop that prevents bad things, you're not If you see a cop doing a crime and you don't say anything because they're a cop, you're not a good cop. That's the end of it. Like, I'm sorry, but any cop that doesn't stand up against crooked or bad cops is a bad cop. Yep. Well, I mean, the, the culture is set up so that if you do say something, uh, then you are immediately ostracized and unable to safely do your job from there on out. And that's why the fraternity is such a problem. And then beyond that, too, I love when people and I think I've said this on the show before, but when people are like, how could my dad be racist? He's my dad. The laws are racist. You're dead. Motherfucker. Well, beyond that, though, what makes you think that because your father did what he legally had to do, which was feed you and keep you safe, that somehow he's not racist? That's the craziest fucking thing. Don't call my racist uncle racist. He's my uncle. It's like, he's still a fucking racist. My grandfather was a cop, and I don't know what he was like on the job, but I know he was a racist bastard at home. 
some of the shit my dad said, I'd be like, oh, you're like a you're like a racist. Yeah. My dad's just a like fucking my grandfather mailman. would throw around the N word all the time. Oh, yeah. Gross. My grandfather I, when my grandfather was babysitting us and we wanted to watch in living color, he called it an N word show. And we were like, excuse. I was like 10 and I was like, what? Yeah. So I can't imagine what he was like at work. Like, it doesn't matter if you're related to a cop who was nice to you. This is clearly a systemic problem that dates back decades and decades and decades that needs to be fucking fixed. But Adam, yeah. he's my dad. Yeah. How could he be a racist? I know him. He is. He fed me. He got me. He took me to Disneyland on my birthday. How could that be racist? <laughs> Nothing racist about Disney, racist, that's for sure. So what's racist in Anaheim, Adam? Hmm. <laughs> I just can't. Many. I get blown Good away point. when people are like, hey, how could my dad be racist? That's my dad. I'm like, yeah, racists are related to people. Mm-hmm. That's like yeah. a... Lots of racists have kids. They're humans, so that happens. Although barely. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Well, then you gotta you gotta go one step further and say, all right. So the problem that we have with policing is that the 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 fraternity, like they protect themselves from from the consequences of any bad behavior, but they're also enforcing laws that are rooted in racism, in segregation. Like uh, my whole thing right now at grad school right now is I'm studying housing. And oh, are you in grad school? I'm in grad school. Yes, I'm oh, at UCLA, okay. uh, the Luskin School of uh, Public Policy. Are you going to say racist policing policies are what created South Central Los Angeles? Because we also talked about that last week. Oh, did you? Oh, man, you're just, you're just <laughs> way ahead of it. It's like a college freshman that just came home for the summer, and he's going to hey, unload guys, everything he just learned. You guys, why isn't anyone talking about this? Like the, but it is true. The, the way the police policed South Central Los Angeles combined with housing laws that were put in place at the time are the reason why black people didn't willingly move to South Central. It's literally the only place for a long time in L.A. where black people were allowed to go. Racial covenants are a thing in single-family neighborhoods from the 20s and on uh, until about like the 1960s where they said in the code, if you want to buy this house, you must be a member of the white race. Uh, and because of that, because the federal government decided we're going to create uh, uh, the engine of middle-class economic growth will be homeownership but we are going to allow and in fact encourage in a lot of places and in a lot of direct federal decisions segregation to protect to sorry to artificially inflate housing values by artificially suppressing the kinds of housing stock that people need like multifamily dense housing because that was associated with poverty and also with people of color yeah, the, the the there are so many things that are rooted in, in in socioeconomic and racial problems that people tend to um put to statistics without understanding the root causes of them and it's a problem and it has led to policing and that's why policing is a major problem here. So I think that's our episode. That's sold, everybody. <laughs> a real wacky one. <laughs> yeah, feel like a, this is a comedy program, right? Feel good comedy pot. Like it sometimes was. these episodes we aren't like to funny, make you man. Think. Yeah. This is like there were there were some laughs in this, but this isn't funny. No. It's not a joke. And it's I mean, also very important. And it's a conversation we need to have right now. And we're having yeah. it. We already had the conversation right now. Did we have? Idiot. Oh man, I'm. Uh, we just totally had like it. this whole past hour danger. Damn wow. It. I'm sorry, you guys. I've you just not been paying attention. I just I got I got the baby on the brain. Cause you know, you guys, I got I got this beautiful little girl. You know, she's she's Don't walking, she's talking. Hear about it. She's so pretty, you guys. She's oh. so there's dangerous plugs. Um, we're we're I launching a plugs. new subscription. 
no, we're launching a new subscription thing soon. Ooh. Uh, it still feels weird to plug shit. Support Black Lives Matter. Uh, if you go to unpops.com on our post about the, the George Floyd murder, there's a lot of links to places you can donate and ways you can help. Tips for protesters, things like that. Uh, just because the media is not paying as much attention to the protests now doesn't mean uh, the problem is solved. Since they're not violent, you know, why would we want to cover tens of thousands of people gathering in the streets demanding the same thing that they've been demanding for literally decades? Right. But it is still important. It's still happening. And uh, the people fighting against police terrorism still need your support. So do what you can to help. And uh, that's all I got. Yeah. Jeff, what do you got? Uh, I get to, well, I'll tell you what, Sideshow Sideshow is every other Tuesday with Sideshow Collectibles. Uh, Current episode up right now is uh, the amazing Danny Fernandez. And the uh, next episode, which drops on Tuesday, is with the amazing and talented Jamal Igle, who wrote um, an amazing comic called Black, uh, about a world in which only um, black people get superpowers. And it's really (laughs) fucking cool. Uh, Among other really great stuff. Um, But I, I wanted to take a moment to sort of highlight that very interesting um perspective uh, and it's pretty cool because also i tend to get mostly whites mostly whites end up on the show because the comics industry is lousy with them mm. um so is it yeah can you believe it also um tom and jeff watch batman is every wednesday on gamefully unemployed and of course you don't even like sports oh you don't even like sports we just dropped a bonus episode Possibly one of my favorite episodes so far about the history of the San Diego chicken. Yeah. Um, what? Okay. What is this? The San Diego chicken? I'm very interested. Aren't you wow, from like Danger Orange County? Wow, Danger doesn't even like sports, huh? I am from Orange County. That's not how San Diego, by this? the way. How, did I, how the fuck did I know the San Diego chicken and you didn't? I yeah, I grew I live, up in Illinois, I Danger. I in Massachusetts, 3,000 miles away. And I know about the San Diego chicken. And you're... 80 miles away ass had never you know, heard of him you could just like give me a couple of hints instead of just scolding me for my oh, ignorance he's a chicken okay danger he's a what fucking else? chicken what else from san diego <laughs> i don't understand how you need more information from that he is the greatest mascot of all time and birthed the modern mascot movement he, oh so he's a mascot it's not just a chicken laying eggs no he, he, it's a chicken <laughs> that plays for the raiders you dipshit yeah, he's a line. He's a middle linebacker. Not the Raiders, no, like in a, Oakland. Yeah, he, he God damn it, Danger. Yes. Do you have anything else to plug besides your child? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, patreon.com slash countless thousands. We are, uh, I mean, the quarantine has really complicated our recording, but it's also made my guitarist a lot better at recording. Uh, we are going to be releasing the triumph, sorry, countless thousands and the triumph of justice uh, over the next couple of months. I'm not sure when. 18 songs. It's going to be a big fucking album, and it's really good, you guys. We're very proud of the angry political Americana. It, it is of its moment, and we're we're really, really proud of this one. It's going to be great. Very nice. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Sweet. Danger. Say goodbye. Bye, guys. Keep each other safe. Jeff, say goodbye. You don't even like justice. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye everybody we love you bye. defund the police bye. bye fuck the police and then defund them and then fuck them some more bring a blood object to Bristol street bring a blood object to Bristol street